Hi, I'm your host, Dave Kemp, and this is Future Ear Radio. Each episode, we're breaking down one new thing, one cool new finding that's happening in the world of hearables, the world of voice technology. How are these worlds starting to intersect? How are these worlds starting to collide? What cool things are going to come from this intersection of technology? Without further ado, let's get on with the show. All right, so we're joined here today by Brian Urban and Deanne Rudden. We have a great episode here. We're going to be talking all about telehealth as it applies to the audiology industry. Uh, so before we get started, why don't we introduce our guests? Deanne, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, thanks so much for having me on, Dave. I, this is such a timely conversation, and I'm really excited to be here. Um, I am Deanne Rudden. I am the owner of Longmont Hearing and Tinnitus Center in Longmont, Colorado. Um, we just celebrated um, my 18th anniversary of owning my private practice. So, um, yeah, that, that's me in a nutshell. That's awesome. And Brian? Yeah, I'm Brian Urban. I'm an audiologist, um, co-founder and president of Counselor. Um, formerly, I had a private practice and worked in hospital systems before that. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. It's a, it's a really, uh, really important topic, uh, and, and it's great to talk about it. So I wanted to bring these two on today because um, obviously with everything going on with the coronavirus, uh, I think it's really, um, it's placed telehealth center stage. I think a lot of different, um, you know, fields within medicine are having to adapt quickly. Audiology is no exception. And I wanted to bring these two on, um, Deanne as an audiologist practicing in the field who owns a private practice, and then Brian with Council Ear, which helps to facilitate the actual telehealth within the industry. I thought they might be able to really shed a light on the state of telehealth within this industry right now, you know, what's feasible, um, where are we excited about, you know, the long-term impact that telehealth can play, um, and then maybe where are some of the limitations today that we need to sort of solve. So, Deanne, why don't we start with you? Can you just give us a, an overview of maybe how you had been using telehealth prior to uh, everything happening, and then sort of like flash forward, what your telehealth aspect to your practice looks like today. Yeah. Um, well, the what did I do prior to the whole COVID-19 coronavirus thing with telehealth is very easy because I, I wasn't really using it at all. Um, I, you know, it, it was there. Um, it was available. I think as a, a practitioner, I wasn't sure I saw the value at that point. It was sort of like, yeah, why, why would I want to do that? Um, it, you know, patients come to my office. What, how, how does this even work? And I think that's kind of where I, where I was with it. Um, and then this all happened so rapidly that it was like, whoa, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And um, I'm fortunate enough to have um, been using Counselor and um, as my own practice management software, and you know, got an email that said, "Hey, not only have we had this available, but it's now being offered to you at no charge." And it was just like, "Wow, okay, why wouldn't we use that?" Um, it's it's being offered to us and handed to us on a silver platter. Um, so we all just kind of like scrambled around trying to figure out how to do it, 
how to actually use the technology, which was actually very easy. I don't know why I thought it was going to be so hard. Mm -hmm. um, but then now putting it into practice um, and seeing, you know, certainly right now the necessity of it, you know, and then watching my own confidence build in, in the platform and then trying to navigate like what, what's real and what's realistic and what's unrealistic to actually use it for. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been kind of an interesting journey for the last couple of weeks to, to see it evolve and evolve very, very quickly. Yeah, that's interesting. So what are some of the things that you've done so far? Like, are you meeting with existing patients? Are you seeing new patients through this? Yeah, we've actually done both. Um, we've done, um, you know, at first it was sort of like consult kind of thing. Like I had people that um, had had hearing tests elsewhere or had maybe um, had a recent hearing test that, um, I could pull up on a shared screen situation and review the results, talk about things, and then, um, you know, what are their desires or, or concerns about hearing help or, or amplification, and then think about moving them forward. And then it was sort of like, uh, okay, now what? Mm -hmm. Do we, how do we can we do that? Are we able to do what, you know, so it was a little bit of that. Um, we've, we've done a telehealth quote unquote fitting where we were working with an existing patient an existing user. He basically picked hearing aids up curbside that I had pre-programmed mm -hmm. for like basic settings. Um, and then did follow-up care and some remote programming on it and have had some follow-ups. That's been a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, and then doing follow-ups with patients that we had gotten fit prior to things kind of blowing up. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it, it's, um, it's a work in progress for, for me from a knowledge standpoint and from a practice standpoint. Yeah, I think work in progress. That's probably the perfect definition of what's happening right now. And Brian, I'd ask you, you know, since you've been helping to facilitate the whole uh, telemedicine aspect within this industry, um, you know, with Consulier and the, the service that you provide, can you speak a little bit about uh, the service? Um, you know, I know that it's been around for a couple of years, so I would love to hear sort of the history behind it. And then you know, obviously today it makes more sense than ever. So what, what is, what do things look like right now at Consulier with the, you sure. know, in, in this regard? Yeah. Yes. I mean, just very briefly, Histrion is, um, we were seeing, uh, the potential for shifts in our overall approach to care with OTC. Um, we were seeing this obviously a few years ago, cause this has been kind of a, a slow build in that way. Uh, and we thought, gosh, this could be a great, a great way for, um, providers to be able to, to connect with patients in a different way, potentially control their costs, offer new, you know, new ways to interact with patients that could be extremely convenient for them and, and just, and just give building more offering. Um, you know, like, like Deanne was saying it, it you know, um, 
the, the need wasn't quite there yet though. Um, and so we were happy to still build and everything, but it had, the system itself had a bit of a cult following. There were uh, certain clinics that use counselor that were using it um, consistently mm-hmm. and then, but then not elsewhere. And then of course, obviously COVID-19 kind of changed everything. And, and with, you know, Deanne mentioning this is, is work in progress. I, I want to point out to Deanne that you're rapidly working in progress, right? So if you look at <laughs> your approach to this a few weeks ago, where it is today, uh, you guys have obviously done a lot of work to kind of figure some things out. And, and you, obviously you're not alone in that. Um, currently we're, you know, hearing from clinics that they're using um, uh, the telehealth system for, in some ways, like, like saving new patient consults. So patients that were already mm-hmm. on the schedule uh, for a new patient consult, instead of just straight up canceling that appointment and hopefully being back at some point, uh, they're converting the appointment and saying, yeah, obviously we won't be meeting face, you know, in person, uh, but we can still meet face to face. So how about, you know, we, we, you know, ask some triage questions to make sure they have a device, but typically they do. Uh, and then can still do the case history, can still talk through some of those patient communication needs, establish that rapport. So, you know, those visits did not specifically lead to a fitting right now. They may, I mean, Deanne just talked about some models or potentially, you, you know, you, there may be ways to do that. But, um, but uh, when we are able to, you know, pick our heads back up and walk outside, uh, <laughs> then that, that patient's your patient, right? You, you've established that rapport. Uh, people have also used a lot of course for just routine cleaning checks. Um, you know, we've been hearing fairly consistently that a lot of the, hey, my right hearing aid doesn't work comments can be addressed pretty straightforward if you can get them to hold it up to the camera and go, the wax guard's plugged or your battery's flipped or that whole receiver is ripped off. I need you to do the drop off, you know, mm-hmm. um, whatever the case may be. And what that means is that you're not, um, in those instances, those patients aren't taking up a half hour time slot in your office. They're not going through the inconvenience of, of maybe their daughter leaving work to then come in to, you know, the whole, whole um, infrastructure around that. Uh, so, uh, and then also we're hearing from clinics that are using for tinnitus rehab. That's one area out of this that I think, um, would and sh- will and, and should receive a lot of attention. Very and that is just an essentially, potentially an expansion of our, our services we offer. Cause a lot of us, um, offer tinnitus related services, but maybe in a sort of a small fashion, right. As part of other care that we're providing, uh, but it's not really formalized. And tinnitus rehab is a way that we can bill privately for services that can be performed via telehealth. Uh, oftentimes can be better for the patient to receive uh, services in that way because now they're, you know, you take a, a patient's experience who's struggling with tinnitus, has lots, you know, issues, now they're in a comfortable place, potentially start home. They're not having the travel issues, potentially leaving work, whatever the case may be. And you're still able to offer face-to-face uh, services to them. So that was a bit of soapbox there for a second. But as we were learning more about what the applicability can be this, and I think one of the very positive outcomes could be that practices look harder at tentative services and can, can, you know, can offer more of it. Yeah, see, this is now, I really like this notion because that to me is like making, you know, life's giving you lemons and now you're actually making lemonade with it because Mm -hmm. I think that it's one thing to sort of adapt your model to say, okay, here's how we can do everything that we've been doing before. But what I love about what you just said about tinnitus management is it's like, what's actually an element that might make more sense in this setting that maybe we hadn't been fully, um, you know, we, we hadn't been fully prioritizing within 
our patient base or whatever that might be. So really quick, can you actually just speak a little bit more about what, what, what would go into that tinnitus management aspect? Like what does that, um, you know, whether it's a, how long is it? Is it like a 20 minute consultation, a 30 minute consultation? And what does that actually look like when you're doing this tinnitus management? Yeah, so I think that probably is varying level. So you've got, you know, a, a, a TRT certification, you, you know, there, there's that level. Um, those who are listening to this who do that type of level could probably speak much more course to, you know, this is the the intake surveys that I do. I mean, a lot of this is survey based too. So um, being able to capture that data at the out front, up front, I'm sorry, and then measure you know, at different times along the way. Um, I know a lot of people will do obviously a longer assessment for that first patient consult. And once again, that may have to be modified, right? Because it's not a traditional world right now, uh, as far as that goes. Um, then a lot of tinnitus rehab is just those routine check-ins. So we're talking once a week, maybe it's a half hour and we're checking in on things. Um, you know, uh, the, uh, the example actually we were talking about off online a little bit here was that a friend of mine's a physician and works primarily, you know, with actually Medicaid population. And he has, uh, since the start of COVID-19, uh, has moved all of his services on in, into an online, you know, a virtual format. And uh, here to date, he has a zero no-show rate. He's actually seeing more patients and his billables are up, right? So as I mentioned earlier, this is not, it's not a great analog necessarily for audiology in general, but I think on the tinnitus management side of things, it kind of can be. Um, because if you do have um, patients where you're working with on this, you know, your, your no-show rate's gonna be low, right? All yeah. they need is their cell phone. Mm -hmm. All they need is their smartphone there, right? All they need is a tablet. And boom, they can fire it up and you're having a session. Um, so yeah, I don't have the details on exactly how, how each step would be done, but I can say just within counts itself, we can facilitate the telehealth session and the survey taking process um, over time. So two of the things that typically done in person can be done virtually. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And thanks for sharing that. And I guess I want to go off of what you were saying with, you know, okay, that's not maybe a perfect, um, you know, you know, parallel with what your physician friend has experienced. But I think it does speak to this broader overall trend of like, what are going to be the positives that come out of this? Because I think, Deanne, you made a really interesting comment at the beginning of this where you said you sort of shied away from this, right? Like you weren't totally gung-ho about this. And then the virus has sort of forced everybody's hand into, you know, whether you like it or not, this is the new normal for now. And so you have to adapt. And I'm really curious, like what things so far in, in, you know, the period of time that you've been doing this, DN, what are the things that give you some hope where you look at it and you say, you know, whether it be like working with existing patients, um, you know, what elements of your uh, traditional day-to-day -day do you look at now through a different lens and you say, okay, you know what, actually this might be more suitable long-term to be done in more of like a tele-setting? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in all full transparency, I think prior to all of this, um, I, I had some fear around it. I really did. Um, you know, we're, uh, I think audiology always has this um, little bit of a, you know, fear-based, you know, oh my gosh, what's going to, you know, this, mm -hmm. we're going to be taken over by, you know, all kinds of things. I, I think that somewhat permeates the, the profession, but um, I did have um, 
some fear around what happens if this really takes off? Are we going to be rendered irrelevant in some capacity? Um, and so I think I was sort of like cautiously looking at it from, you know, like, well, you know, hmm, is that really, is that really going to be a thing, mm -hmm. you know, or maybe I'm, I'm resistant because I don't want it to be a thing. Um, is that going to take away from my, my practice? Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm now like, we've had this crash course. In. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's, here's the new reality. Um, and now I get to look at it more like, okay, so here's the new reality. And wow. And by the way, it's not going to replace us. I'm, I'm really confident about that after this um, even quick dive into the deep end of the pool. Um, I have seen a number of, of times where already it's just not feasible. You know, mm -hmm. you can try to, to tell your somewhat technology limited client, um, hey, hold this up to the camera. Or, you know, gosh, we had a fit issue and it, and it was like, well, lean your head in and let <laughs> me see if I can see it. And I couldn't really see it. You know, now maybe that changes as our patient demographic um, changes and we have people that are more comfortable with technology coming up through um, needing our services. But in the immediate, um, there's still some significant limitations to things. But um, yeah, I think actually we can, I think sometimes I schedule way too much time for appointments because you just don't know how long things are going to take. Um, so I do see this as a, an avenue for efficiency um, where we could actually, you know, let someone know, hey, we're scheduling a 15-minute follow-up appointment and getting better at kind of framing that 15 minutes um, and making sure that we're using our time more wisely as well. Mm -hmm. So, well, I think, I don't know, did that answer the question in any no. way? <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely did. Um, Cause I think, you know, what's interesting is that from, from my understanding, you know, based on the business models of just about every single audiologist I've talked to, that's either in private practice or in some type of clinical setting, there's usually a billable hour rate equation, right? You have to figure out what is your break-even rate. And what's so interesting uh, about this whole thing is what it's basically doing, I know we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, was the whole OTC thing, right? Which is this idea that, okay, so if you have these new devices that are coming to market, you have like these new access points that people can get these devices. And there's not in the call it the average consumer's mind, they're, they're not fully aware of the value that the, the provider would be providing. And so they look at this and they say, well, okay, so I have two options. I can either go through this professional that can fit me and pay, I can pay more money to do that, or I can buy this over-the-counter device. And what I think is so interesting about the, this whole new boom in telehealth is that it basically takes your value and it makes it more accessible. It makes that service component because just in the few things that you've told me, you know, being able to troubleshoot with the patient, um, 
there's a lot of value in that because there's a lot of value in making sure that people are uh, having an optimal experience with these devices. And I think that's, you know, kind of at the core of what you all do is making sure that you're tailoring that experience to the person for whatever reason it is, whether it be programming the, the, the device properly using real ear um, or helping to troubleshoot the, you know, numerous um, uncountable number of things that, that you experience with your patients. And so I think it's just such an interesting new element to that whole sort of uh, what was previously, I would say, one of the bigger fears in the industry, which is probably being made small now from what's going on now. Um, you have this notion now where it's like, well, going back to that consumer, you now have two options, right? You can go with me, uh, the professional, and sure, you might be paying a little bit more, but I'm going to be able to provide you all these virtual services as well. To your point, does it make a lot of sense to have somebody drive in, you know, if they live in a remote area, drive in, get situated, and then, you know, really all they're coming for is that 10-minute conversation that they could have had with you over a Zoom call like we're having right here through, tele, you know, through uh, console ears service. So I just find that interesting. And I want to get your thoughts on like both of you. If, if you think that's something where um, this now sort of helps further differentiate the provider in the OTC equation. Well, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I, I think potentially that that is, um, you know, an, another feather, so to speak, in the cap. Um, you know, I come from the philosophy that, you know, I had plans for OTC to be a part of my practice. That may be um, a little controversial for some. Um, we have an on, online store. Um, we our, the cool thing about this little break is we're actually revamping our online store. So I'm glad to have that time. Um, nice. But I think that, um, you know, it can all obviously be a great avenue for those people that OTC was really going to appeal to. Um, the, I don't need a provider. And then they get into it and then they realize, oh, gosh, maybe I actually need some assistance around this, but I don't know and I don't want to come in and, you know, they're resistant in some way. Um, if we really look at this like it is the reading glasses version for the ears, then why wouldn't we want to have even a, a short telehealth type of um, consult where we could help them troubleshoot, we can provide value, and then they may see us as having more value. Maybe they just don't get it and they, they just need an entry point. This is a good entry point. You can bill for your time. Yeah, right? and you, you bill for your time. You're, yeah. You're injecting value into that, into that process. Um, this is not just a, a feel-good thing. This is a business you know, yeah. component. and that's maybe a client or a patient that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think, you know, kind of going off of what we were saying about tinnitus before, right. Where, where my mind's going right now with this is, is this maybe an avenue to an entirely new sort of service where Deanne, to your point, if you have this uh, sort of this new type of consumer that is a total do it yourselfer, but every now and then they realize, okay, I do need help. 
is this maybe an option where you can say, look, I'll schedule a 15 minute consultation with anybody, regardless of, you know, and, 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 and I'll consult you on troubleshooting with, you know, any one of these different devices, but almost make it sort of appeal to um, the people that maybe would never have seen you before. And this is just a new way that you can basically position just that specific piece of your value, your time to say, look, I'll do it. I'll do a virtual call with anybody. I'm going to bill I'm going to bill you for it. Um, but it opens the door to sort of that market, if you will, of, of these types of patients that probably traditionally you would have never seen before. And why would we want to punish people mm -hmm. for making that choice? Right. Which for me sometimes is, is something I have to check myself on. Yeah. Um, you know, if the whole point of what we do is to provide access for better hearing, mm -hmm. this is better hearing. Yeah. It may not be, you know, my first professional choice around it, but it is an access point. So, you know, I always have to make sure that I'm not trying to punish someone for making a choice that feels right to them, that my job is really there as a facilitator um, and someone to help drive whatever their better hearing picture looks like. And maybe I get to inject um, some knowledge and education in there and help them make better decisions, um, whether that be today or later. Um, but yeah, I think, in, and also maybe a win for me from, from a business standpoint. Yeah. I think and that's it does, a good point. Go, go on. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and for me, this, this feels kind of a, a bit of a bridge. So, you know, we, we've for decades now, we've tried to move the needle on the average age of, of first time user for amplification. And we've always said that we essentially have this traditional model. You know, you need to come in our office. These are the types of tests we're going to do. This is proven. This is, you know, this is how it works. Uh, and then, of course, as we know, you know, we're all consumers, too. We look all look at our options in different ways and convenience is a big, big part of it. And so um, we're basically saying, OK, you, you need to follow the dental model, right? Where the only way for me to help you is for you to come in and I have to see you, you know, that's I have to actually, you know, uh, be in contact. We have other options, right? I mean, one thing I've talked with clinics about for some time is. I think it's very applicable here is, you know, doing community outreach and, and, and having this in-between approach, right? Because some patients want to call in and talk, right? Not always great. A lot of times you're in between things. You grab, sometimes you grab the phone, sometimes you can as a provider, you know, um, or we're saying either, either maybe you'll have that call with us or, or you come into the office. And that means once again, taking off work, take someone who's 55, right? They're taking off of work. Even, you know, Dave, you had mentioned rural settings. Let's just take urban settings too, right? I mean, there's still transit issues. There's parking issues. There's maybe they pay 20 bucks for parking for that hour, you know, to yeah, come see you. All of a sudden there's an expense involved or, or public transit. And obviously we're not really riding public transit right now. Yep. Um, and so there's an in-between. Well, hey, let's do something better than a phone call, right? Because it's really hard to, to connect really well over the phone, especially with some with hearing loss, right? Mm -hmm. So now we, let's have the audio and the visual, but let's not require you to come in. Right. Let's have this in between. I can see you face to face. Let's schedule it. You know, let's get out of the books. Like Deanne said, let's make it 15 minutes. We're not doing an hour consult here, but you're hopefully establishing that connection. So for some patients, the right thing for them right now is something that connects with their TV. Yeah. Right. That's the communication scenario where they need help. So if we can help them or they need a captioned phone, for example, mm -hmm. right. Uh, there are certain things that we can help with right now. Captioned phone, you may need a hearing test to get that, but the point being is there are things we do. We talk about communication strategies, really simple things that we typically do during new patient consults, but only for patients that come in and see us. 
not ones that still need our help, but aren't ready to just take that step to cross the threshold. Yeah. Um, so for me, it feels like that's a great way to connect and, and, and hopefully move the needle on lowering that age of new, new users. You, you said something so interesting there. Well, you said two things like lowering the age and then also the bridge. And I think what's so interesting about this to me is I'm not an audiologist, but I feel like I'm privy to understanding the value that the audiologist provides. And I always think back to this notion of like, I have a dentist and I go to the same dentist and I have, you know, unless I'm going to move, I'm probably going to continue to go to that dentist. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't I have an audiologist? If I have a hearing loss, why wouldn't I have one? And, and I feel like that's, um, you know, I think some of that is, it falls on the shoulders of, of the business model because it's been such a product driven business model where, you know, it's widget based. And if this is really, I think for a variety of reasons, and this feels like the biggest accelerant of all, where you're having the whole value proposition flip on its head, where what you're really offering is your time and your service and your expertise. I look at it as like, if I'm, you know, I'm 30 uh, right now and say, you know, within five, 10 years, I start to develop a little bit of a loss. I don't need necessarily a full-blown hearing aid yet, but what I would like is to establish a relationship with a mm -hmm. professional that I can consult with, that I can actually go to and say, look, these are the issues that I'm having. So therefore, I'm going to be a customer that's maybe not going to buy a device from you from for 10 to 15 to 20 years, but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't be I shouldn't, you shouldn't be made available to me. I should still be able to see you in subcapacity because I still need your expertise. I would still love to have an, just an introductory conversation to say, look, here's, you know, I'll take a hearing test and maybe I come in for that, but, um, or maybe that can be done online, but I get this hearing test and we see, okay, so I'm going to now, in, you know, as Brian or as Deanne, we've established a relationship and you can see, okay, so I'm going to be meeting with Dave today. Dave doesn't even work hearing aids. He's a pretty young guy, um, but he has a loss and he's uh, self-aware of this and he wants to make sure that he preserves his hearing for as long as he can. And Dave's not an expert in audiology like I am. So I want to be able to, I want to bill him for my knowledge. I want to bill him for my brain basically. And I just think like, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Um, Dan, maybe start with you. Like, do you see this as being something where it could be a catalyst to get entirely new portions of people that you'd never seen before? Because the whole notion of going and seeing you has changed from it being something that is, I'm going to go and I'm going to see you to buy a device to more, I'm going to come and I'm going to see you, or I'm going to meet with you virtually um, because I just want your actual expertise. I mean, I think that's actually the exciting part um, for me is, you know, the, the notion of, um, as you said, it, it being about knowledge base rather than widget based kind of thing. Um, it's a change in model that I think has needed to happen for many, many years. And, and I guess the whole point of um, the whole unbundling an unraveling of services gives us the um, the avenue or the ability to actually make that a reality. Um, I I really appreciate it. I had a, a call last week um, with an audiology colleague um, 
in a group. She wasn't just talking to me, but um, she was talking about, she lives in Alaska and really walking us through how this has worked for her in her private practice um, in a really great way because of the remoteness of her clientele. But, you know, it, doesn't need to be remotelessness of clientele for it to be feasible. Like I, as you mentioned, like I think about even myself, like I probably neglect some of my healthcare things because it's, I have to take off work. Mm -hmm. That means I'm not generating revenue that then I have to get an appointment that works for my time frame. Um, if we could remove some of those barriers, then that's great. I mean, I, in listening to my colleague in Alaska, I wanted to mention this because, again, I think we're all trying to wrap our heads around how does this look? How does this work for real in the mm -hmm. real world beyond just like right now the feel good of like, um, I mean, I'm not charging for, for this service at this point because I kind of feel like it's, it's the necessity of the, of the moment. Um, and you're learning too. And right, I'm you're learning developing too. the model. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but um, in a, in this great, amazing woman in Alaska, she's she's got an audiology assistant who's coming in, is making sure that the technology connection is there. So mm -hmm. you know you're not waiting and trying to troubleshoot like turn on your microphone, right. make sure your <laughs> camera's on. Like they're taking care of that for you. They're also facilitating the payment prior to your arrival, and then saying something very simple like, and um, the doctor will be in in just a moment. And, you know, then totally. boom, she walks in, her time's efficient. Um, and I mean, that, I was like, wow, yeah. okay, this is real. Yeah, this and, is real. Yeah, this and, and possibly a really great opportunity instead of being like, Oh, what's this going to do to my practice? It's like, right. okay. Operating that off of fear. Exactly. Like just, as you said, putting it on its head, shifting it around and reframing like, okay, now that we get over the shock of it, how are we going to like take this and run with it? Because I think if we do as a profession, like this could really be a watershed moment for I, us. I completely agree. Yeah, and, and Dave, as you were as you were talking, you're saying you take yourself. Um, uh, if you're having concerns about hearing, even if you didn't have a hearing loss, even if you're having concerns about just situational hearing issues at work, I mean, there's different. You know, obviously, not everything is acoustically well designed, and you can be in, in meetings where things aren't great. Um, but you know, we've all seen patients that that have those types of issues, and maybe even have normal hearing. But you're absolutely right, establishing that connection. So one that popped to my mind is that you know, um, the idea of this could be as, as powerful as clinics are willing to um, open their services and market on this, right? So you mentioned before, traditionally you've been a very widget-based type of approach, very widget-based type of marketing. Um, you, you know, having a marketing approach where it's talking about, hey, you know, I'm, I'm Dr. Urban, uh, my job is to answer questions and meet your needs. You know, our, our tagline is, you know, at, uh, questions, answers, and needs, needs met. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that whatever, whatever you need at that moment, your time of life, because for you, we're talking about hearing protection, 
Yeah. Likely. Mm-hmm. Do you go to concerts? Da, 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 da. What do you mm-hmm. do for recreation? Or we're talking about situational listening devices um, because maybe acoustically, you know, that situation is difficult and here's something really simple we can do. Or can you get to the meeting first and sit in the right spot? And that's going to make all the difference. You know, um, you're right. You can establish that connection uh, long term. I mean, there's really no reason why this can't be, you know, someone who checks in with you routinely because their their needs are going to change. Exactly. But you can answer their questions, and their needs throughout. Yeah. And, and on, I want to yeah. bring up one other little point too that um, popped into my mind as Brian was talking. Um, one of the things that also has happened for me is I do some. I have some industrial contracts, mm-hmm. and you know I through my contract with some of the industries have needed to go and do um, presentations on different things, which we're now moving to Zoom because that's, you know, we can't go in there right now. And it's like, I thought to myself, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this. And then it was like, well, yeah, I can. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost, this has become a, how can I get out of my own way? Yeah kind of thing. So it doesn't just have to be patience and patient care. It can actually open up another avenue of service offerings that, that you could look at and you just, you don't necessarily have to be there in person and still use your knowledge base. Exactly. I mean, everything I keep coming back to here is that it's almost as if uh, you'd be doing yourself a disservice not to fully tout yourself as being you know, an expert in all of this. And and there's so many facets to it. I love that point, Brian, where you're right. Like for me, it maybe it's just even the knowledge of like, there are, you know, uh, the type of earplugs that have a filter on them that you can still hear the music. It's just as if they, it's turned down. I mean, I, when I mentioned that to my friends, they, they just think that that's like, oh, that's an earplug and you're just going to suppress the noise. They don't understand right. the actual science behind it. So there's so many small things like that. And again, it goes back to this notion of like, you're an expert in this part of my physiology, right? Like I know that if I ever have an issue with my mouth, I go and I see the dentist or an orthodontist, right. you know? And, and I think that there is, um, I think that this industry has so much opportunity to almost rebrand itself to be, you know, an expert in everything that you need as it relates to your ears, you know, and, and that is, there's so many different varieties of that to your point, Dan, it could be like just being really super knowledgeable about what would be the best way to outfit an industrial workforce, you know, with maybe a connected solution that has active noise cancellation in it or something like that. So it, the sky is the limit in my opinion, in terms of, how you can position that value so long as that it's being made abundantly clear to your market, to your local market, or however you are targeting, you know, new people to come and uh, buy your services. Um, I think that it's all just reliant on what, what do you want to um, brand yourself as and, and open yourself up to as many different types of opportunities as possible. Because in a, with, with telehealth, what this is proving is that, 
you know, rather than it being um, a high margin, uh, low volume sort of business model where you're maybe only selling X amount of hearing aids to meet, you know, the, the type of financials that you need to each month. Maybe it flips to where you're just charging by the hour and you're just cranking out a whole bunch of these different sort of consultations. And yeah, you're going to obviously still fit people with devices and stuff like that. But where I see this really opening the door is just this notion that you can now be constantly selling your value in a virtual setting and that value is your expertise. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Totally yes. Agree. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so as we sort of wrap here, I just want to get from each of you, um, Deanne, a year from now, let's say that, uh, you know, we've come up with a vaccine and all this has sort of subsided. Um, in your mind, what's going to be the piece of this that you think will be the longest lasting? What will be the most impactful? Like, what are you seeing today? And based on all of the connections that you have that you're hearing about how people are using this, you know, let's just say flash forward to the point in time where we're Corona free as a, as a world. Um, what does the telehealth aspect to your business look like? I mean, I, I can actually see it um, being almost like a, so Mr. Jones, would you prefer a follow-up visit um, via telehealth or would you prefer um, to come in uh, in person? What yeah. would be your preference um, kind of thing? And it being just really giving that choice to the patient. Um, it doesn't mean that it devalues. I think that's the one point that I would, would say f at least for my own self, um, your knowledge is your knowledge is your knowledge. So how that knowledge is received really should be irrelevant, whether they actually physically step foot in the office or not. So the thought of it being like, well, an in-office visit is more expensive or less expensive, you know, that kind of thing. It's really about the knowledge. So if that's the case, then it can be um, something where we just give the choice to the patient and, and wow, that's, that's patient centered, right? That's the whole thing that we keep talking about is making things more and more patient focused, patient centered, what's going to suit their needs. So in a year, I hope that um, it's, it's just a, it's how we do things. Yeah. It's not a, um, a worry or a concern. It's just the new normal yep. almost. Um, I, I'm kind of ashamed in many ways that I was <laughs> afraid um, of this. Um, and the silver lining is we've gotten to have that crash course and have partners like Counselor make it not only available and accessible, but easy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as circling way back to the beginning of, you know, Brian even saying, you know, we can bring family members on the call. We can bring patients on the call. They don't even have to be in the same location. Yeah. I mean, what a gift. I, I can't even tell you how many times, you know, I've had family members in different states that, you know, then you're, you're actually taking more time because you're having to then, you know, potentially facilitate things in lots of different avenues. Why not bring it all together? So I hope that it's routine. I hope that um, I can say to you in a year that we've embraced it mm -hmm. uh, and figured it out and that we're, we're a lot more efficient 
with it. Yeah, I got to just say, I love that. I love that. And before I get to you, Brian, I just got to go off of what you just said there, because that just triggered in my mind, like almost an epiphany. That's such a big deal of being able to do a consultation and have a member of the family in on it that might not even be in the same state, you know? So like in a scenario where maybe I'm, let's say that, uh, you know, I'm like my dad's caregiver or something like that in the future. And um, I want to be in on the call with him, but I don't live in the same state. And so being able to like, be in that consultation and help to sort of, you know, liaison between like, come on, dad, like, this is really take the serious kind of thing. Like, I think that's just a really, really interesting notion that I hadn't really thought about, about, you know, this allows for you to sort of bring in that sort of family element to it that I, I, I didn't think about before. And can you imagine being able to say to your patient, is there anyone else you would like to have involved? Is there a family member we can bring into this? Yeah. And and how that might feel to them? Like and make it wow. so easy. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, my son lives in, you know, Massachusetts. There's no way they could be involved. And then someone trying to interpret what I've said, mm-hmm. you know, and how that can get a little bit weird. Um, so I mean, that's what I would love to see myself is for us to be able to say, who else can we, can we help to rally around you? Is there anyone else? Is there another care provider that we could bring into this conversation? Um, you know, we have tinnitus management. I have a cognitive behavioral therapist on our tinnitus team. She has been doing um consultation via the computer for years yeah and gosh what if we could all all of us have a conversation through a hipaa compliant portal mm-hmm. yeah wow like bringing in the specialist ding, 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 ding. you yeah. know it's like wow winning everywhere love that brian what about you yeah i mean just on the last point there we can even kind of blend the the kind of our, our typical approach with with the telehealth model and that you've got a patient there <clears throat> gone through the in-person testing and everything to get to the point of talking about technology and let's say, you know, I really need to talk to my daughter before I can do anything. How we bring your daughter in this conversation? Maybe you've already done that. Maybe mm-hmm. the very start of it, she was involved, you know, so potentially you are, um, you're able to move forward with potential with amplification that day because now you're not on the patient now going home, having that conversation. And you know, a lot of times, of course, we lose those patients. Um, uh, to follow up. And so uh, potentially you can kind of a hybrid model where you're in person and virtual. Um, but yeah, as far as looking at a year, I, I, I kind of see it in, in three potential components. One is just overall efficiency, both from the practice side, looking and seeing this is where I was able to have more efficient appointments, whether you're bundled, unbundled, just, Hey, like, like Deanne said, maybe those half hour visits, they don't necessarily always have to be a half hour. And there's ways we can triage that um, and, and kind of focus on what's needed. And then also the, the efficiency for the patients too. Um, just realizing, hey, actually, this isn't right necessarily for every single patient in every scenario, but there are a lot of patients that are really going to like this. Um, it's much more convenient for them. Um, we, we talk a lot about falls risk, and we're asking patients a lot of times to come to our office. And, and it isn't always an easy journey for patients. And so uh, the more we can do there. Uh, the second thing I see it from a marketing angle, <clears throat> as far as you had referenced this, Dave, about you know clinics taking a different approach to this, and and I can visualize envision clinics doing you know have you know Deanne, you're talking to the camera and you're posting that on Facebook as a Facebook ad, and you're talking about your services, 
right? And you're talking about the value add and how you, you're actually giving them a little sample, right? They're, they're watching you speak. And that's how it's going to be when they're talking with you one-on-one, -on -one, right? Or with the son or two-on-one, whatever the case may be. Um, so they actually get that initial, you know, connection. Um, and then you continue on in the same format. Um, and maybe that's a 15-minute, you know, console where we just chat and we talk about your needs. Um, the third thing I, I see it as being is, is looking at our services and, um, you know, potentially, you know, Dean obviously already doing this, but expanding our services to, uh, to fill more needs and then seeing how those can be delivered uh, via telehealth as well. Love it. Such great points. So, so many things I think to be optimistic about in uh, a pretty trying time right now. And it's, it is inspiring to see how quickly everybody's adapting. And I think what is cool is that in a sort of small niche um, medical profession like this, uh, you are seeing a lot of people knowledge sharing, kind of like had you, how you alluded to, Deanne. And I hope that this conversation shines a light on maybe just a couple different ways to think about this and, and just some different opportunities that might be able to be seized and capitalized on during this, uh, this time that we can sort of iron out the kinks. Cause I know there's going to be a lot of kinks. I know this isn't a, you know, a perfect, a perfect solution today, but I think that as everybody in this industry, the vendors and then the practitioners all sort of get comfortable with this, I think it's going to be a really exciting end product from it. I think we're going to see some really cool opportunities come from all this. And if people haven't started to embrace it and use it because um, they're they're just waiting, um, I would also encourage them to to jump in yeah. and give it a try because I'll tell you what, my patients are awfully forgiving of it right now. They yeah. they understand and they yeah. know we're all learning, um, and so you know their their patience with us as we're learning has been a really beautiful thing as well. Um, so I don't feel like I have to have everything dialed in today. Mm -hmm. Like they get it. So if if you're even a little bit um, hesitant to put your toe in the water, I would say you know jump in. The water's great. <laughs> yeah, we got to keep the connection with our patients because it's still, they're still our patients. They still have needs. We still need to make sure their warranties are renewed, which by the way, can have some margin in it. We need to make sure they're getting their captioned phones. We need to answer the questions. Um, there are some clinics that are kind of going radio silence right now. And, uh, you know, that's, that's challenging from, for maintaining the, your, your, your patient base, you know, that, that, that they're being connected. Um, so yeah, anything you do to continue to reach out to them um, is going to, it's going to help your business survive. Yeah. Could not agree more. Well, Deanne, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time joining us today and sharing all your knowledge. And thanks for everybody who tuned in here to the end. We will chat with you next time. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Future Ear Radio. For more content like this, just head over to futureear.co where you can read all the articles that I've been writing these past few years on the worlds of voice technology and hearables and how the two are beginning to intersect. Thanks for tuning in and I'll chat with you next time.